I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah. Hi, this is Marnie Vandenberg from New Orleans by way of Houston. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome, folks, to The Tennis Podcast, introduced beautifully there by Marnie Vandenberg uh, from New Orleans by way of Houston, which, help me out here, David, I think means originally from New Orleans, currently in Houston, or is it the other way around? SOS. I am going to pass that over to Matt because I don't know either. <laughs> All I know is that this was a birthday present from uh, Marnie's husband, Edwin, and uh, a very nice, very nice thing to do from lovely Edwin uh, for lovely Marnie. So thank you so much. But Matt, come on, correct our grammar for us. It's not grammar. Okay, what a is hospital pass of an opening I question. I think, I think from New Orleans, but currently in Houston. Right. Is that what okay. you said? Maybe it is grammar. I don't know. Linguistics. Uh, yes. Well, wherever you are, Marnie, <laughs> thank you very much. Um, beautiful intro there. Uh, if you'd like to get yourself an intro for 2024, then slots will become available in December. Watch this space folks. Uh, just another bit of housekeeping before we get going. If you're a friend of the tennis podcast and why wouldn't you be, quite frankly? You can enter a prize draw to be in with the chance of winning semi-final tickets to the Davis Cup Finals in Malaga on Saturday, the 25th of November. Optional possibility of bumping into Matt because he will be there as well. Uh, the winner gets a pair of tickets plus two nights accommodation and return flights to Malaga from any EU or UK airport. You, if you're a friend, have until Thursday, the 26th of October, at 11.59pm UK time to enter. That's this coming Thursday. The link to do so for friends will be in our newsletter this week. And if you're a friend who doesn't get the newsletter, you know what I think of you. But also write to us, friends at tennispodcast.net and we will send you the link. We'll also send the link to anyone who becomes a friend between now and the deadline on Thursday and, of course, before the Davis Cup Finals, it is the Billie Jean King Cup Finals. We've already run a competition for tickets to that, won by the brilliantly named Penny Powers. Hello, Penny. Um, if you'd like to buy tickets to the Billie Jean King Cup Finals, 
finals from the 7th to the 12th of November uh, in Seville. Of course, the link to book them is in our show notes and we have a two-for-one ticket offer available for friends of the tennis podcast. We were looking this week. Tickets are really reasonably priced, aren't they, for the Billie Jean King Cup finals. If you're thinking about going or if you're thinking maybe possibly about going, having a look, do... Do have a look because I'm sure it'd be a good time and it would be cool to support that event, I think. So, um, yeah, the, all of the info is in our show notes as always. That's the housekeeping over and done with. How, how are we, David? How are you? I'm very well. I've had a fantastic week, to be honest, but, uh, going off to Shrewsbury with the two of you and we had a, an event full time. More of that later. No, I very very much enjoyed it. And I've actually really enjoyed the weekend of tennis that I've come back to as well because I think I think there's just been some brilliant finals um, and some very different types of finals. And I, I found it easier to, to follow with the combination of tennis in Asia and the tennis in Europe across the board. There's been any time of the day, there's been some tennis on pretty much. Um, and a lot of it's been good. So I've really enjoyed it. Seeing as David has teased our Shrewsbury tales, um, shall, shall we just get that out of the way, Matt? Do you want to just tell everybody how close we came to, well, frankly, all of us relocating to uh, a a short strip of, B road in the Shropshire countryside forevermore. Um, <laughs> quite, quite close. We're all very grateful not to be on that flooded, flooded stretch of B road right now, aren't we? Mm, yes, I think we all heard the rain in the night and were expecting to wake up to to being flooded in, and that is pretty much what happened. We were told that to get out of our Airbnb, we had to turn right instead of left because left was flooded so we went right and my god I do not want to know what left was like because right was absolutely apocalyptic we we drove through a river David went first in his in his big car and it was dicey Catherine and I were behind watching and decided that we needed to pause and sort of regroup before taking on that river we did Catherine, you you had the triangle of doom in your car. The warning lights came on. It was a it was an entire situation. But having made it through that, we thought, right, okay, we're we're through the worst of it now. And then we came across like an actual river that was flowing, and um, we took about twenty minutes before passing that. And it was only the it was only the bold van driver coming towards us that I think convinced us that it was even possible. Uh, without him, we might still be there. We were in, quote, rescue territory, as you said. Uh, but we did go for it, mounting the right side of the curb and just p- putting the foot on the accelerator and hoping for the best. And um, then we ended up in a little place called called Much Wenlock, where there was only one one place open in the entire little village. And we and we regrouped and, and had a lovely, much-needed cooked breakfast in there but it was a it was a eventful hour or so yes yeah it it felt like a sort of really uh low rent episode in in lord of the rings like a a very sort of parochial chapter in lord of the rings the sort of we've just got to get to much wenlock we've just got to get to this (laughs) mythical mythical place called much wenlock and then all will be okay like our own personal um 
What's it called? The Prancing Pony, wasn't it? Anyway, anyway, we are once again bogged down in that quagmire. Let's talk about tennis, shall we? And let's start in Tokyo. Uh, the ATP 500 event won by Ben Shelton, his first ATP Tour title, beating Aslan Karatsev 7-5-6-1 in the final um, prior to that, he had won a match 7-6 in the third. In the first round against Taro Daniel, came from a set down to beat Jordan Thompson in round two and came back from a set and 5-2 double breakdown to beat Marcus Garon in the semifinals. This was some week from Ben Shelton, um, a real demonstration of his competitive fire and freshness and hunger for the tour. And that is Always so fantastic to see, but at this time of the year, David, it's particularly fantastic to see, isn't it? When there are so many jaded faces around. Mm. If you consider a year ago, he had never left the United States of America in his life before. And we we had him turn up in Australia. We'd heard of him as a as a college player with promise and and people were excited about him, but... I, I still was taken aback when he, he informed us that he'd never left the United States and he'd had to get a passport just to go to Australia to compete in the Australian Open, to which he got to the quarterfinals. To to now be here 10 months on winning this title in Tokyo, which is a difficult time zone from from many of the others that they go to. The, well, the, the whole Asian swing is I was, I've heard players say that particularly – with China having not hosted events the last few years, the the trip has taken its toll on many of the players because they're just not used to it. And um, and it, he is a novice at this level. And, and here he is just sort of working his way through matches. And in that semi-final that you referenced against Garon, I mean, he is on the brink of defeat and he looks exhausted. He looks like he's hit the wall. And frankly... You would expect him to, uh, uh, given the amount he's put in over the course of the year. And he f- and he found a way to win. I mean, he was not playing that well. Garone was playing brilliantly. In Shelton's words, he was waxing me from the baseline. And so what did Shelton do? He just started charging the net every single point. And, and eventually Garone kind of capitulated, kind of beat himself. Um, and, uh, and, and I mean, cause Shelton wasn't even smashing the serve down. He was kind of swinging it out wide and coming in, playing the left-handed volley off the swinging serve and, and it worked for him. And then in the final, he was a different player altogether. It, suddenly the freshness was back. It was like the end, the end is in sight. Okay. Let's just, let's just put the foot down all the way, give whatever I've got left. And frankly, he, he really outplayed Karatsev, who was terrible in the second set. I mean, nigh on tanking, really. Just certainly not the player that had got him to the final because Karatsev had been excellent. I'd have, I'd have made Karatsev favourite for that final, given what I'd seen to that point. And the fact that Shelton won it, the age he is, the experience he's had, the lack of experience he's had, I think is really impressive. Yeah, I agree. I don't know what you think, Matt, but I really, I really think that the the context of Ben Shelton's season is so important to to really highlight what a big deal this win is because he's pretty much done nothing on tour this season. His his season has been two results. It's been quarterfinals at the Australian Open and semifinals at the US Open. Two ridiculous, incredible results that are, you know, given the status of those tournaments, those results 
in themselves are enough to indicate his potential and to to herald a an incredible breakthrough year on uh, on the ATP tour but at lower levels he's done nothing it's been a fact finding mission and and little little else for him it's been kind of a you know he he talked didn't he um earlier in the summer about how when he went on the european swing earlier he was um kind of a bit of a tourist you know a real you know guy with a passport for the first time vibes so for him to be winning a a 500 level title is a massive milestone and even given the time of year it's coming all the caveats that we always put at results at this time of year and you know the 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 fact that nothing is guaranteed i i think this is i think this is a really really big deal and incredibly impressive from ben shelton yeah I completely agree. I I didn't really have any particularly high hopes for his post US Open end to the season just because of exactly what you'd said. What he'd done on the tour this season, he wasn't he wasn't pulling up trees. I thought, you know, even if he did nothing after the US Open, it would still be a really impressive first season on the tour, finding his feet, showing that he's got a big game that can do damage at the biggest tournaments. And then maybe next year would be the year where he would, you know, start to build some consistency on the tour. This this little run he's put together in, in Tokyo winning the title has come way quicker than I than I would have expected. And I mean he he did actually credit the fact that he didn't have any runs on the tour through the season as to one of the reasons why he is still fresh. You know, because he, he hasn't played as many matches as, as players who, you know, consistently have been winning two or three uh, matches at each tournament. You know, he's been he's been fatigued, I suppose, by the experience of being on tour for the first time. But it, it's not like he's got many matches in his legs this season. He He is perhaps a bit fresher at this time of the year compared to a lot of the others because because of his, you know, his poor results on the tour generally this year. Uh, but I think. I think also there is just a there is just a freshness and an energy to him that he that he seems to have above the rest of of the field you know we we think of so many tennis players as being a little bit jaded and it's kind of a secret weapon for Ben Shelton that he that he is embracing and absolutely loving this this first year on tour and uh, I've been I've been so impressed by his adaptability as as kind of David was was alluding to there you know he he, he realized that he needed to to mix that up against Giron you know that that it wasn't sustainable he wasn't going to win that match unless he changed his tactics and you know he, he started net rushing and shortening the points and I've also been impressed with his rally tolerance a lot over the past couple of weeks when he beat Sinner the other week I was really impressed that he was kind of prepared to go toe-to-toe with him rather than just think I need to hit him off the court he seems to have different ways to win and I think being being one dimensional is such a block for so many players and he he seems to to not be that at all and uh yeah in the final his his lefty serve just just gave Karatsev absolute fits I, I remember watching them play at the US Open and I think that was the match where Shelton got his serve up to the high 140s and Karatsev didn't like it that day and he did not enjoy it again it is it's such a it's such a weapon that he's got it's it's all it's all coming together for Ben Shelton and it's and it's it's great to see he's a real breath of fresh air yeah there was a point when Karatsev went an early breakdown in that second set of the final where he he basically decided well I'm never going to beat this guy 
I can't I can't handle this lefty serve. I'm I'm checking out here. It, I I thought it was a, a bit poor actually the the latter stages of that match from Aslan Karatsev. I know demeanor-wise there's not a ton of difference between Aslan Karatsev uh tanking and Aslan Karatsev putting in full effort. So it's um it's possibly difficult to pinpoint exactly where that scale uh, where on that scale he was, but I would hazard that it it wasn't full effort. But that's because Shelton had had beaten him by that point. He'd worn him down um, and didn't didn't let him get a foothold in the match, didn't let him develop any rhythm. You know, when Karatsev's in a rhythm, he's one of those ping-pong players. It just, you feel like the ball is trampolining out out of the middle of the racket the whole time and his his rally tolerance is just 10 out of 10. You know, he's he's not going to miss. Um, and Shelton never allowed him to, to get into that kind of rhythm and... On the variety, some players with variety, you feel like it almost bamboozles them. You know, when when the A game isn't working, they kind of hit the panic button and throw all their other tricks at at the wall in a in a slightly haphazard kind of way. He seems to have the right instincts for for when to deploy things. I love his net rushing, his chipping and charging almost. And you know, it's not he doesn't win the point a hundred percent of the time, but I rarely think. No, that was that was the wrong play there, Ben. As if as if I've got any authority to be saying that to Ben Shelton. But I think I think you get the point that I'm making. Um, I would like to talk, please, about El Race for a minute. Sure. People have been shitting the bed in El Race. That's that, that's yes. my analysis. Well, well, given that, Matt, <laughs> look. Only eight qualify and Ben Shelton is in 14th position. I'm not talking about any likely scenarios here. I'm talking about the fact that Shelton, in his own words, is fresher than anybody, really. He's got more in the the canister for the year than anybody else has. And there are still a lot of points on offer before El Race is decided. There is Vienna, which is a 500, and there is Paris, which is a 1,000. And... Ben Shelton, I know they're both stacked draws. Ben Shelton is a contender in both of those events. And in the eloquent words of Matt Roberts, people are shitting the bed left, right and centre <laughs> in this race. Uh, so you, you've got, uh, I mean, everybody down to, I mean, I don't think Rublev is officially qualified, is he? But he, he's going to qualify. Rublev in fifth position on 4,275 points. Then you've got Sitsipas in sixth on 3,700 points. Then Zverev, 3,400. Runa, 3,100. Fritz, who looks just gone to me. He lost to uh, a player that we're going to talk about in a minute, Shintaro Mochizuki, um, earlier in the week, and he looked he looked pretty hollow, I thought. Uh, then Kaspar Ruud, 2,800. Then Hubert Herkatch, 2,700. And or to approaching 2,800, then Tommy Paul, then Alex de Menor, then Ben Shelton. I know that's a lot of names, but if you're in Ben Shelton's mind right now, you're thinking about El Race, right? And you're thinking about Turin. Yeah, I think so. I hope so. I mean, there is there is a big obstacle in his way this week, which is you know doing that doing that journey from Tokyo back to Europe, and then he's got Yannick Sinner waiting for him in the first round of that tournament. I mean, that's a that's a bit of a nightmare, and I, I do think he's gonna 
he's going to need pretty much all the points he can he can possibly muster to to put himself in a position to actually qualify for Turin. So I, I still think it's a an outside, a very very long outside shot. Uh, but yeah, of course, I, I I think he's I think he's got his sights set on it. But I I wouldn't I wouldn't be predicting it. I just think there's a little bit too much still to do for him. And yeah, it's just a bit of a nightmare draw for him in in Vienna. David, you love a, an outlandish prediction. Uh, it's something that everyone in Shrewsbury this week can can attest to. Um, <laughs> I was on four. Who, who do you think is going to get the last uh, Turin spots? Uh, well, not Ben Shelton, uh, in all honesty, because I, I, I think he's going to hit the wall. Uh, and I just don't see how you do that trip with that jet lag and get to Vienna and beat Yannick Sinner. I, I can't see that happening. And and I think I think that that may be the best we we see of him this year now. I I I th- I'm I'm not sure that he'll have much of a run at either of these two events. He's certainly capable because indoors I think suits him. Uh, I think frankly pretty much anything except clay suits him really. Um but so so uh, hold on who's who's under Rublev at five, are the other three up up for grabs? The other three spots. Yeah, I mean, people would need to do serious stuff in the remaining events. But as I said, there are there are enough points still on offer. You know, someone wins Paris, that's a thousand points. Hmm. I think the most likely to come from the outside the current spots and get in is probably Hercatch. Mm. In that he's he's displayed some good form recently. Obviously, winning winning Shanghai. He then he then lost his his first match after that. But you know that was just off the back of winning a big title. I think Hercatch indoors. He's playing Basel, which is a slightly weaker field compa- compared to Vienna. Um, and then Paris. Yeah, I could see him making up uh, making up the points on on Runa, who's who's currently in that eighth spot. And I think Sitsapas and Zverev will will probably hang on and and qualify because yeah, as as you said, Fritz looks gone. Rude has has not played well for a while. Um, Runa's interesting. There's obviously the Boris Becker of it all to, that I'm sure we'll come on to. If he can ignite, then he's in he's in a strong position because he's ahead of Hercatch. But I I just got a feeling that Hercatch might put put a run together at either Basel or, or Paris and, and sort of sneak in. Mm. Yeah. Well, my I, predictions I think are terrible, so that's probably wrong. Well, but I, I think of all of them, he's the one I'd probably go for as well because he's got 500 points looking at this on Shelton, three places below him. And the ones above him, Rude and Fritz, I don't feel hugely convinced by them either. And, and I just... The the game seems to be coming quite easy to to her catch generally at the moment, and and the opposite is true of Fritz. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. He loves it indoors. Had some good good results in Paris, hasn't he? Her catch. Uh, watch this space. We'll keep you posted on L Race. Uh, just before we move on to the um, the other results from the week, a quick word on Shintaro Mochizuki, uh, who was somebody that came to our attention while we were watching him beat. Taylor Fritz in that uh, cottage in the middle of nowhere in Shropshire and we all just instantly fell in love with him. We had one of those 
oh, well, this is the best player in the world moments. Where's he been? <laughs> um, these were, I mean, in all honesty, these were his first ever ATP Tour match wins, weren't they, in the opening round and then in the second round to beat uh, Taylor Fritz, Love 6, 6-4, 7-6, backed it up, beating Alexi Popper in 7-5 in the third in the quarters. Um, he's not completely out of nowhere. He's a former junior number one, I think, 2019 Wimbledon boys champion. And of course... There's been a pandemic since then. You know, people's developments and transitions from juniors to senior, seniors over the course of this period are, you know, it's expected that they would be non, non-smooth non and non-traditional. So I don't think it's a, well, where have you been if you're that good question. I definitely think skill-wise, racket skill-wise, he is something to behold. Absolutely electric it felt like he could put the ball anywhere on the court it felt like oh my god I don't know what he's going to do with the ball here this is so fun and exciting his his stature is a, is going to be a problem isn't it is always unfortunately going to be an uphill battle for him I think there's kind of a threshold at which you can you can your stature can not necessarily be a negative i th- think in the men's game it's probably about 5 foot 10 um but he's less than that and he's very very slight isn't he i'm sure he can put on a bit of muscle but you know you've got the whole balance thing of he's there there are benefits that come with his um his size as well he's he's like a mosquito around the court um, so maybe you just play to your strengths and and know that you know you're not you're not ever going to be Daniel Medvedev or you know he's never going to be agricultural, is he? Um, and I, I'm can fascinated confirm. about you know what he what he can do with his career with those with those raw materials, and I'd I'd like the answer to be a lot because he is so fun. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's a really wonderful feeling when you just put tennis on and you're instantly sort of drawn to a player. And I think I think we all had that with Mochizuki. Uh, and and one of the incredible things was was the way he he turned this match around. I mean, he he lost that first set six love, and said he was he was too nervous to swing and he was scared of missing. And then in the bit of the match that we saw, it was the complete opposite. He was embracing the crowd and going for his shots. And yeah, the way he was net rushing and taking the ball early and had good hands at the net. He, he was just so skilled, I think, was was what really stood out. And uh, I saw a video of him hitting with Federer at the 2019 ATP finals. I think he he, he sort of went along as, as one of the sort of practice hitting partners for the for the top players. So, you know, he really was, I think, you know, talked about and on the cusp of things in 2019, but it, it just, it hasn't happened for him. And, and you just hope that, that a week like this can be the breakthrough he needs. Cause yeah, he's, he's extremely entertaining player to watch. And, and the win over Fritz was something, but as you said, backing it up, I always think is, is such an impressive thing for a player to be able to do if they've just had a big win. And, and he did that against Popper in another really high quality match. Yeah. Really, really fun time watching him this week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on to Antwerp, the ATP 250 there. Uh, it was won by Alexander Bublik. He beat Artifice 4-4 four and four in the final. Ran out, of, ran out of steam, I think, Artifice. And also ran into an immovable object 
quite frankly. Bublik was barely losing points on serve all week. When he hits a rhythm on that serve, it's it's pretty much unplayable. It's unbreakable. Uh, Fies had beaten Stefanos Tsitsipas, uh, who PS won the doubles title with Petros. Congratulations to them. Uh, 7-6, 7-6 for Fies in the semis over Tsitsipas. Um, it, it, the, I mean, my favourite thing about this finals day, David, was Ben Shelton's message to Artifice on the camera in Tokyo. Feed that into my veins. Yes, because I think in the semi-finals, they Feast had followed Shelton in writing "humble and hungry" on the uh, on the lens, and so when Shelton won his title, he wrote, "Show me something, Arthur." And uh, unfortunately, Arthur ran into Alexander Bublik and was unable to show him anything. Um, so hang on, they but... both wrote "humble and hungry" on the camera Correct. after their semi-final victories. Yes. Now, obviously, I love that. Boys, don't listen to me. Write whatever you like on the camera. This is this is great fun. But just as a point of order, I do think humble is a uh, descriptor that, that sh- only third parties should be allowed to describe someone as. You sh- no one should ever be allowed to describe themselves as humble. <laughs> when, you, when you're 19 stroke 20, I don't, I don't think they know the meaning of the word. <laughs> yeah, well, this is yeah, yeah. Anyway, but the, but I take I absolutely take your point. Um, <laughs> but I mean, that I tell you what, they both are to my to me to my eye anyway is likable, and I just uh, I, I I do they're they're the players I organise my day around. I'm quite I do, I will see them play any time of the day or night because they're just great fun, and I don't know what's going to happen next and. And I think that they are getting a buzz out of each other and, and being a generation that's coming through. They played against each other in the Labour Cup. And yeah, I think they, they're just they're enjoying each other's vibe. I think that they know each other has got game and, and that they could be a big part of each other's lives for the next 10 years. Um, Got to say, though, Feast didn't get close, really, against Bublik. I mean... It, he he'd never played him before, and you could tell that he just did not really know what 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 is he doing down there. You know, I mean, he he hit eleven aces and eleven double faults, and a lot of the double faults were coming off one hundred and thirty mile an hour second serves, which he just decided not to get involved in rallies in because that's one of the things that Bublik does. I mean, he hadn't won a match, I don't think, since Wimbledon. You know, he he just sudden, sudden until this tournament, and then suddenly he finds his range playing indoors and what a player he looks when he's when he's like that i mean feast actually set up the same number of break points as as bublik in the match but he lost six four six four and and it was just it was a perfect bublik style match and i think they'll play again in the future and particularly if they play say on clay or something like that feast is going to wipe the floor with him at times i think but Stick it on that surface indoors when Fies has just not played anybody like that. He, he he looked really, really new on the scene in that particular match. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say we spoke the other day, didn't we, about the uh, about that article that Gary Nathan wrote about Adrian Manorino. What is Adrian Manorino doing? And I think you could you could definitely you know reuse that title with what is alexander bublik doing because his 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 whole approach to tennis is 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 quite perplexing and he does he does just 
have, as David's described, just spells of not winning matches at all. And then suddenly he won't just be a bit good. He'll he'll go and win the tournament that he's playing and look sort of unplayable. And uh, I, I think particularly on those quick surfaces, you know, grass courts and, and indoor hard courts are, are where he thrives. He's got such good hands. He can block block returns and he can fire aces. And yeah, he's he's an absolute uh, nightmare when he's when he's in that sort of form. But but it wouldn't surprise me if we sort of don't mention public now until, you know, February when the when the indoor <laughs> swing comes back round again. You know, it's just it's just the pattern that he has. Uh, the Stockholm title, ATP 250, won by Gael Monfils. He beat Pavel Kotov, 4-6, 7-6, 6-3 in the final. I only need one, David. Only <laughs> oh, one. Catherine. And I tell you, if you're going to watch, I mean, there's a couple of good candidates for watching the highlights of finals this week. If you're going to watch one match in highlight form, watch this one. I had the best 11 minutes of my weekend this morning <laughs> just just watching that and and I mean it's one of those where you could you could convince yourself it's one of the matches of the year based on the 11 minutes. I don't know what was happening in the points in between the ones I saw, but the ones I saw, I mean Kotov hits the ball so hard and so sweetly. Goodness me, and the the retrieving of Monfils, the age he is, is just astonishing. And and the fact that he turned that match around the way he did, I think, I think at one stage it was maybe five all, love forty on his serve in the mm. second set when he's a set down, and he just dug himself out out of trouble, and he he willed himself to that title. And Kotov certainly showed talent, but Catherine, the I only need one line was was in the celebration as well i mean i know this is a, a a small event on the tour but it's a very historic tournament stockout it's been around for years but on the side of the court you've got Mikhail tilstrom a long-time coach of of monfils tears in his eyes you've got you've got um elena svetlina his wife he's got his family there they're all in, they're all just so emotional watching him do this and it was beautiful watching him hold that trophy again what I really loved about this is is something you hinted at there, David, was that this was a a win in Gael Monfils's image. Still, you know, he's he was scrambling, he was defending, and I think I think a lot of the time people have actually urged him not to play that way, you know, and try and shorten the points, and you know, not have to rely on his incredible athleticism, but. <laughs> It's what he always falls back on. It, it, it is sort of his DNA as a tennis player to play like that. And and what I thought was so interesting about that is that he's he's the fourth player now since 1990, aged 37 or over, to win an ATP title. You know, it's a very small group of players who've who've had that success at at the age that Monfils is now. The other three are Federer, Lopez, and Karlovic, who can all just rely on their serve and keep points short and hit aces. And Monfils can't really do that. He's he's having to play in the way that he's always played. And I think it's it's pretty remarkable that he's he is still able to to fall back on that. There were there were times this year where I really worried about his physicality. I remember when he came back in, in Indian Wells and he looked he looked weak. He looked like all the all the muscle had just sort of gone from his legs and he obviously sustained that injury as well over over the summer and and yet when he's been fit and when he's been healthy, he's played some really good tennis this year. And it was more of the same in, in Stockholm. He was playing at a really good level. 
against a guy who, as David said, in, in Kotov. You know, normally when, when players hit the ball, it slows down a bit when the ball bounces because they put spin on it. When his ball hits the floor, it just accelerates through because he's hitting it so flat and so pure. And Monfils was having to be at his, his scrambling best. So yeah, it was, a, it was a really good match. And yeah, just, just really special scenes for, for Monfils to win that title 12 years after, after he won it the last time. He only needs one. <laughs> uh, on to the WTA. I'll, I'll be kind and not ask you the obvious Monfils question unless anybody would like to submit an answer voluntarily. No. You wouldn't want to play him. I tell you, if you're... If you're okay, if you're Djokovic, you would. Um, but if you're... <laughs> if you're Alcaraz or But that Sinner, is a problem, isn't it? Of is course it is. He, he wants to be there. in the other half of the door. But there's a, there's a number of the players who wouldn't want to play him. There's mm-hmm. a lot of them that really wouldn't fancy that. If, if he gets inspired and, and if he's fully fit, he's still... A problem for players and yeah I mean I don't I don't really think he'll ever beat Djokovic I just don't see how that happens but the rest of them I think he can on a given day he can beat okay like it told you he's in a punchy mood it's it's the Shropshire effect Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. On to the WTA. They were all to 50 events on that side of things this week. Elisa Mertens, the champion in Monastir, defending her title, beating Jasmine Paolini, 6-3, 6-love. In the final, didn't drop a set all week, did Elise Mertens. She's just... 
it's so hard not to damn Elise Mertens by faint praise, isn't it? But, well, someone save me from damning her with faint praise as I'm as I'm just about to. She's just always there, isn't she? Plugging away. There, there yeah. you go. I did it. I mean, I'm I afraid it. to say the words I were going to say were reliable and never let you down. So, I mean, they're exactly the same type of phrases that, that you use in there because, well, I, and I, I say that as a compliment because I have such respect for her. I do think she she has a, a very, very clear ceiling with masses of data to show that she, she can't seem to break through it. And that's fourth round stroke uh, quarterfinals at Grand Slams. And, and I, don't, I think maybe she has reached one semifinal. I can't remember. But it's Australia. just... Yeah, that that's it. But it it doesn't it just doesn't feel like that's ever going to happen. You know, she she I will never say Elisa Mertens is in the mix for a Grand Slam tournament. I will never say that in my lifetime. <laughs> um but Hans says hi. <laughs> okay. Um I really say it this time. Imagine, if, with imagine if we're sitting here in two years' time with Elisa Mertens a three time Grand Slam finalist ribbing I will David own it, for Catherine. His, his big Elisa Mertens diss. She can come on here and give it to give me the stick I deserve. Um but but I still I actually love the way she approaches the sport. She just seems to enjoy the the grind and the and the process and and here we are with a holding the trophy at this event. In Nanchang, Katerina Siniakova, um, well, first and foremost, she got revenge over Leila Fernandez in the semi-finals, reversed their result from the previous week. Uh, and then in the final, beat Marie Buzkova 1-6-7-6-7-6 in the longest WTA final of 2023 at three hours and 33 minutes, which, given there was a 6-1 set in there, tells you, I think, everything you need to know about those two tie-break sets. I don't know what to make of these results that Katerina Siniakova is having, because I remember a couple of years ago when Barbora Krejcikova was having her great success. I remember watching Siniakova and thinking, okay, take the serve out of it. The serve does make me anxious. That service motion... I mean, no one's teaching that, are they? It's not... you, You do hold your breath a bit. But from the back of the court, you think, wow, why why aren't you doing better? And I thought with those raw materials and the inspiration of seeing what her doubles partner was achieving in singles, I sort of had one eye on her thinking, what's she going to do here? And she stayed exactly where she was. And I don't know enough about her to speculate about why that is. Maybe her game just wasn't up to, maybe her game had reached its ceiling, but... Again, with the caveat of the time of year it is and everything. These are these are really good results. These are really impressive results. And maybe it is a slightly slightly delayed Krejcikova effect. I don't I don't know. Maybe this is something she's she's had in her all along and I, I gave up on her too quickly, Matt. I don't know. I I I don't get the sense that Siniakova is going to Go on a Krejcik of a style um, ascension in singles. I've I've always thought that she that she you know that she kind of needed Krejcik on the doubles court just to just to calm her down a bit. I mean, she is very much the 
you know the fire in the in the fire and ice of them on the doubles court and i think as as impressive as these two weeks have been and look i did not have watching Katarina Siniaka the thrillers on my end of season bingo card but i've been i've been really enjoying her matches over the past couple of weeks but they they have kind of in a way been a bit too dramatic to be sustainable like you just if you're going to make real progress in singles you need to be winning matches i think just just a bit more efficiently and i think it's really impressive the the sort of wins that they had but they don't to me say that she's necessarily sort of changed or hugely gone up a level um but i've i've enjoyed them so much and 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 this final against um against marie buskova what what impressed me here was we were talking earlier about how ben shelton went from rallying with Marcus Giron to shortening the points. Well, Siniakova did did the complete opposite in this match. In, in, in the first set, she was just hitting unforced errors and trying to keep the rallies short, and it wasn't working. And then sort of halfway through the match, she she decided, OK, this is going to be a grind, but I need to take Buzkova on at her own game. And suddenly she was moonballing and playing long rallies. There was a 44-shot rally at one point, And she just sort of went into the trenches and, and still had to had to save a match point in the second set. Eventually took that set on her eighth set point. Had to save two match points in the third set, um, and it was just it was just high drama, and you just you just had this feeling that something dramatic was going to happen at the end as well. And then, of course, after over three and a half hours, it ended on a dead net cord, which must just be absolutely soul destroying for Marie Buzkova. But uh, probably probably a little slice of luck that that Sinyankova deserved having having played so many sort of epics over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, she's been she's been a really fun watch, but personally I I don't see a huge sort of jump in in level or or ranking coming, but it would be it it would be good because she, she's out of a player. She's very fun to watch. The WTA Transylvania Open was won by Tamara Korpach. Uh, she beat Elena Gabriela Russo 6-3, 6-4 in the final to win her first WTA title. What are you finding funny about that, Matt? Just just the thought just, of Harmony Tan seething. The mere mention of Tamara Korpach. <laughs> Apparently Harmony That's how Tan to be also... a professional, Harmony. Harmony won uh, an ITF event the same week. <laughs> um, I, I actually watched uh, the, the highlights of Korpach's run to the title, the sort of five five matches she had and i mean she she just about made it to the quarterfinals she was a she was 5-1 down in a deciding set tiebreak to jody burridge at, at one stage and then she had to win another grinding three setter as well I, I, it was really impressive my word I, I think it's the first time i've really watched corpatch play she absolutely leathers the ball she does not hang around uh, in rallies at all um and it was it was fun watching her suddenly ignite and and just go and grab the title yeah absolutely congratulations to her um just w- want to bring you the result actually from the event that we were at last week doing our live show in Shrewsbury, the W100 event, uh, ITF level women's event, won by the top seed, Victoria Golubich. Love and love in the final over the British player Armani Banks. I mean, she was, as I say, the top seed and and quite evidently a, a class apart from everybody else in the draw and 
also on the backhand list. Although, spoiler from from the uh, from the live show, Matt is Matt is considering bumping her off the backhand list. <laughs> Is that right? Some somebody's so, already en- gone. Enjoy enjoy your love and love victory. Um and... I was gonna say she survived the uh you know, the bumping off this week. Um, I'm I'm afraid that I, I have to update date people on the backhand list. Those those who are at the live show will know this and friends who were who were watching will also know. But yes, Emma Adekanu, I'm afraid, is is off the backhand list and Elena Rabatkina is on. Is that just due to inactivity? Slightly, and also just having watched Rebecca a lot this year, especially live, I think I've really been taken by by that backhand. It's just become unavoidable to me. She needed to be on the list. It's it's smooth and it's powerful. It's a great combination. She's on the list. And, yeah, I'm afraid Radicanu's off. It hurts me to bump someone off. I, I love all those backhands dearly. And Radicanu, Radicanu will be coming for... for I think Golubich's place on that list uh, next year. Yeah, there's been a lot of activity, hasn't there, around Emirati Khanu in the last couple of weeks. Her Instagram sort of gym training videos have, have stepped up a gear. It, it's clear she's, you know, she's working hard on that comeback and wants us to know she's working hard on that comeback. She also did a, a round of press this week here in the UK, gave some quotes that garnered quite a lot of attention to BBC Radio 4's Today programme, um, a, a very much listened to high profile um, morning show here in the UK. She said she hopes to be back for the start of the new season. Uh, she said, I'm actually looking forward to starting again, kind of resetting. And on her coaching situation, she said, I ask my coaches a lot of questions. On certain occasions, they haven't been able to keep up with the questions I've asked, and maybe that's why it ended. It's something I've always done. I keep provoking and asking questions to coaches and challenging their thinking as well. I'm not someone that you can just tell me what to do and I'll do it. I need to understand why and then I'll do it. Um, there's been a lot of negative reaction to to those quotes. A lot of a lot of coaches or people associated with coaches have, have found them a bit sort of dismissive or disrespectful to the profession. And I, I do see that point of view. And obviously, you know, players do need to, sh- you know, show an amount of respect for what they're being told, whether they're agreeing with it or not. But I personally, I punched the air a bit when I heard that I there are far too many and I don't blame the players for this I blame the culture and the environment and lack of female coaches and all the rest of it but there are too many female player male coach deferential relationships in this sport that make me wince so to hear of a player exerting agency and curiosity and independence in that relationship, I I find encouraging. I, I I'm I'm I was really pleased to hear those comments. Whether whether you know perhaps she I don't know I don't know how she's doing it. You know, context is everything. I don't know I don't know what those conversations look like, and I suspect what they look and sound like has a a lot of bearing on how 
you know, how put out a coach might be on feeling it. But the principle of a player questioning what their coach is telling them like that and not just wholesale expecting it and nodding along and and doing what you're told uh, submissively, I am so okay with that. All power to you, Emma. Uh, I'm also okay with the idea of difference. Why does everybody have to have the same approach? I must have a coach and I must do exactly what they say. Okay, well, why? Let, let's see if there's another... If you're a different kind of person to that and she's saying she is, then that's entirely up to her. Now, the the test of time will, will come into this as well. If she can get fully fit, whether she feels she needs to adjust anything and and whether that approach works and and all those sort of things but it, but even just sort of philosophically she's talking in a way there that is different and and I have no issue with that at all i mean that that is that is how she lives her life and and believes in her own mind and and wants it to be kind of probed rather than just told what to do and 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 i and i think it's i i get i get why coaches get wound up by it as well i mean but have have some respect for her as well have some respect for the way that she wants to go about doing things and and the the idea that coaches are not going to want to work with emma radicano because she said these things or because she's not given a great degree of uh, career expectancy, uh, length of of career with her because in the past, I just think is nonsense. It's like saying a a football team. It's like saying Watford will never get another manager because they keep sacking them all. Well, they keep do getting them, don't they? Because people want the jobs, and she's 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 good enough, and people will want to work with her. I'm quite convinced of that. Yeah, when I heard these quotes, my mind went to the brilliant interview you did a few years ago David with Larry Stefanki you know sort of regarded as as one of one of the best tennis coaches over the last few years and I remember a point he made during that interview was that he he always wanted input from his player he he didn't want a player who who had no idea or or no thoughts about about their own game you know he he wanted coaching to be a dialogue and I think you know that to me suggests that Emma Raducanu is is thinking about her own game and you know wanting input from a coach but also also sort of questioning it and challenging it and and wanting it to be as best as it can possibly be and i think i think yes part of this is on Emma Raducanu to to maybe commit a little bit longer to certain coaches i i do think there have been one or two that it's felt like have been dropped maybe a little bit too quickly, but it's also on those coaches to be, well, we can use that word, be humble and sort of appreciate that they need to sort of build a relationship with the player as well. And, you know, they might not have all the answers necessarily that that they can help. And it's got to be a two-way thing. And I think um, if, if coaches are being absolutely put off by the fact that a player is slightly questioning what they're saying, then something there feels a little bit wrong to me. And, and I can't imagine that, for example, Andy Murray just takes everything that his coach possibly says to be, you know, fact. I'm sure Andy Murray would be questioning it as well. And, and maybe, as you say, it's just in the way that those conversations happen. 
rather than necessarily the very fact of Emiranda Khan sometimes questioning the advice, because that to me sounds like like a really healthy thing to be doing. Mm, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned earlier the Aruna Becker bombshell is now confirmed. Becker told Eurosport in Germany that he'll work with Aruna for the rest of the season, starting in Basel, then Paris and hopefully Turin. Uh, he described Bruna as a rough diamond who needs polishing, and he said he felt proud to have been asked. Um, proof will be in the pudding, I guess. I mean, I good do. Good for podcasters. It's good for podcasters. Uh, I mean, Becker was the jolt for Djokovic, right? He was the icing on the cake. Runa's at a very different stage of his career. He needs more than that. Um, so I, I don't know. I really don't. I don't know if this will work. But I'm interested. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, yeah. Well, let's watch this space. Um, speaking of Basel, Alcaraz was due to play. Uh, he's had to pull out with injury. Wrote on his Instagram, "I have a problem with the plantar fascia." in my left foot and muscle fatigue in my lower back, which needs treatment so I can play for the rest of the season. Um, plantar fascia doesn't that, I mean, if that's plantar fasciitis, which, I mean, we're about two letters away from the word plantar fasciitis there, that's not good. It's not, you know, career ending. It's not... But it, but it's very much an ongoing thing. It's not something that you can get a bit of treatment for and be fine, or rest it for a week and it's fine. It's on the on on the chronic end of things, and it's it's in a part of the body that you you can't not use or use less or make any adaptations to. I mean, your foot is it's very important to playing tennis, and I. I don't know, Carlos Alcaraz is just so integral to everything about men's tennis at the moment. He's he's integral to Djokovic. He's integral to to every potential rivalry that we're touting. He's in, he's integral to all of the fun, kind of. Uh, and I just, I shiver at the thought of him having a sustained injury. And I just, I'm crossing fingers and toes and eyes that this <laughs> this isn't something significant so are my predictions catherine <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i mean we don't we don't have enough time to express all the feelings and thoughts that are going to be thrown up from this uh, but we had the news this week that Sabalenka, Jabir, Djokovic and Alcaraz are all confirmed to play an exhibition in Saudi Arabia after Christmas this year. We've also had reports this week that the ATP is poised to announce that uh, rumoured ATP 1000 event in Saudi Arabia starting in 2025. John Wertheim has been reporting this week that he had heard the WTA finals were confirmed for Saudi Arabia next year and that was potentially something that was going to be announced during this year's finals. Again, none of this is confirmed. Only this exhibition event um, for after Christmas is confirmed. Um, 
we won't get into it now, but rest assured, Saudi Arabia is a topic that is going to come up a lot. Uh, and I suspect we'll be leading a fair few podcasts with it and it'll get its fair chunk of airtime. So uh, we'll just drop the news for now and leave it there. But but rest assured, we're uh, we're not ignoring the uh, the implications and and ramifications. The doubles lineup for the WTA finals confirmed: Lara Siegmund and Vera Zvonareva secured the final spot there by winning Nan Chang. So that's Pagula Goff, Hunter Mertens, Krejcikova, Siniakova, Scherz, and Kravchik, Aoyama, Shibahara, Dubrovsky, Routliff, and Routliff rather, and Medical Martinez Perez. Uh, joining, joined by Laura Siegmund and Vera Zvonareva. The WTA is in Zuhai this week, which is the tier below uh, the WTA finals, the sort of sub-finals or plate. It's a sort of plate type thing. Um, and there are four groups there. There's the Azalea group, Krejcikova, Kazakina, Lynette, the Comedia group, Keys, Hadadmire and Garcia. The Orchid group, Ostapenko, Vekic and Zhung. And the Rose group, Sansonima, Kudamatova and Zhu, who is a wild card. Uh, I'm sure Zhu, as a home player, will make it fun. Not sure how I feel about wild cards at an event of that type. But there we go. Round robins start on Tuesday. Uh, there's doubles there as well. And the men's uh, tour this week is in Vienna and Basel. Uh, Basel round ones include Runa Ketsmanovic, Murray Hanfman, which is, I think, about to start. Diminor Schwartzman, Jerry Manorino. He snuck Jerry into the agenda again, guys. Jerry Manorino, Matt, sorry, is not a notable round one. I respectfully disagree. Right. Well, I've read it out now. <laughs> and as the constructor of the agenda, it is your right to make that call. But I'm just flagging. Look, it's... That you, your, it... your editorial judgment might be obscured by your love for Nicholas Jarry at this point. Is there is there doubt over including Murray Hanfman? I think the people listening care more about Murray Hanfman than they do about Jerry Manorino. The noise you've made about Andy Murray being a part of the big four, and now you're saying that he shouldn't be in if Nicholas Jerry's not in the agenda. Andy Murray will be more relevant until he retires than those two. All Every single round one match in Vienna is uh, is more relevant than that one. The, the round ones <laughs> in Vienna are absolutely ridiculous. Medvedev Fis, Dimitrov Musetti, Sitsipas team, Tiafo Evans and Shelton Sinner. I would happily watch all of those back to back. And ignore Nicholas Jarry against Adrian <laughs> Manorino. Uh, the WTA finals start on Sunday. Uh, we will have a preview show before then. Don't you worry. Uh, so over the weekend, you'll be getting a preview show for that. Plans to record on Saturday, Matt. David will be on holiday, but we're hoping for a very special guest. Um, I won't I won't commit them now, but we are. Are we 90% confirmed for our very special guest, David, in your in your absence? I'm going to go 78% confirmed. 78% confirmed. Right. That's why we're not 
naming the very special guest. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we will have a, a preview show on Saturday. Uh, David's off on holiday. Have a lovely time. Uh, I no longer care about anything else tennis because I am looking at Huckleberry, who is our mascot for this week, owned by Tara. Huckleberry is a 12-year-old long-haired miniature dachshund who loves carrots, destroying all stuffed toys and chasing tiny tennis balls. Um, I love a dachshund. Billie Jean's best friend is a little dachshund called Neville. Uh, used to be neighbours. He's now moved away. There was a reunion a couple of weeks and weekends ago, and it was it was touching stuff, guys. It was it was it was very very lovely. Uh, Dachshunds are wonderful dogs, and Huckleberry uh, is just gorgeous. And there'll be a picture of Huckleberry in our newsletter. Um, yeah, what a what a lovely dog! I can't stop smiling looking at Huckleberry. I'm gonna. Show a picture of him to Billy Jean. Great name as well. We have our mascots. David's got Maisie. Have your little moment, David. Oh, Maisie, I totally forgot all about this. Uh, but Ben Shelton not only won for himself, he won for us. And uh, we got 150 points out of that. So thank you very much, Maisie, for your inspiration. I've got Xenia. No need, no need to... No need to talk about the um, the moments of madness we had this week, Xenia. Matt's got Darwin. Was it the aforementioned Adrian Manorino, wasn't it? Oh, no, it was it was worse than that. It was no, B- Bortic van der Zanderschild. There's no need. Um, Billy Jean is sponsored by Billy Jean King and Alana Kloss. We have our top folks and executive producers. Hello to Jamie, Hannah and Drew. Thank you for being our top folks and executive producers throughout this year. And we have shout outs, Matt. Yes, I want to just start with not technically a shout out, but just a little thank you to uh, Meg Smith in Australia, who sent us some snacks, which we took to Shrewsbury and all the way from Australia, they were snacks, they were from her, they were her favourite things to eat during each of the slams. And it was just a lovely, lovely thing to do to send us those. And I wanted Megan to know that they arrived safely. And we've We've enjoyed them very much. And those snacks came to Shropshire with us. And uh, there was a moment when when I thought that we now resided on the uh, B road to Much Wenlock, uh, when my gratitude at seeing uh, the remnants of those snacks in the back of David's car was just immeasurably high. I thought, OK, we can survive. We can survive at least for the afternoon on the remainder of those snacks uh so thank you meg uh shout out to matt yes we start with lily dennison who is in minneapolis minnesota hello lily like lily miyazaki who was playing in shrewsbury last week wasn't she and lost to Hannah Klugman, who was uh, the young 14 year old player who britain is very excited about at the moment hmm Yes, uh, Minneapolis. Got anything? I'm sure, it's lovely, Lily. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for being a friend of the tennis podcast. Thank you, Lily. 
We've also got Peter Dangerfield. Hello, oh, Peter. That's a great name, isn't it? Uh, like Rodney like... Dangerfield. Peter says people always ask if I'm related to Rodney Dangerfield. Oh. Presumably the answer is no. He says, I always say I'm not, but when I was young, my dog was named Rodney. Oh, <laughs> love that. That's very good. Very love good. That. Peter, like uh, Peter McNamara, the late great Australian tennis player who was uh, somebody we knew and, and loved very much. Absolutely. Thank you, Peter. And finally, we have Joey Barton, but not Do that we? One. <laughs> not that one. Not that one, no. Uh, not the footballer uh, who got into one or two scrapes. This one has never got into a scrape in his life and is a friend of the Sunday's podcast to whom we can be very thankful. Do you remember when Joey Barton went to play in France and started speaking with a with French a accent, French accent. Yeah. in English? <laughs> yes. <laughs> And then there was Steve McLaren who went to uh, went to Holland yeah. and started to do the same there. <laughs> and uh, Joey is in Newcastle upon Tyne, one of which further complicates the shout out because, of course, Joey Barton played mm. for Newcastle. But anyway, our Joey says he would like to dedicate this shout out to my new wife Lucy, as we got married on Middle Saturday of Wimbledon. Oh, oh, splendid! Hope you had your live scores app. Opening during the ceremony, and then you you're live from Wimbledon show yeah. to enjoy just afterwards. What better way to celebrate happiness? Uh, congratulations, Joey, and thank you for your shout out. I can't think of any tennis Joeys, but that makes you unique. I can I can think of a football Joey. <laughs> You've probably heard that one before, though, Joey. So. I'll uh, I'll I'll leave that. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you to all our shout outs again. Shout outs, shout outs, intros, pets. All of it will be once again up for grabs from early December. Watch. Oh, shout this outs space. you can do now. Don't forget, you can still do those. Oh yes, it's also. I'm terrible at the promo, David. <laughs> <laughs> Dreadful. <laughs> Listen to David. Don't listen to me. Sign up to the newsletter. Leave us a review. All of that. Uh, and we'll be back on Saturday with a 78% chance of a very special guest to preview the WTA finals. We'll speak to you then. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 